eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from 670 The Score and the Mullen Haw Show. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune covers the Bears. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. We are here the day after the Bears most exciting victory of the season there's only been two so i think that <laughs> this may qualify the tyson bajan game dan i just wonder we did not weren't able to connect after the game it was a great experience being there i think a lot of people had a lot of fun with it it was a great diversion in a very difficult season how was it monday at Hallis hall well I will just say this, that we use the F word in a lot of different ways with this football team. I think this week, the F word is fun. I felt like the, the, the atmosphere at Soldier Field on Sunday afternoon was fun. I felt like the vibe in the locker room was fun after the game. I felt like the fun carried over into Monday. Now, granted, at House Hall, David, only Matty Rafflew spoke today. The players were given Monday and Tuesday off. Rare victory Monday. The last time they won a Sunday game was September 22nd. Uh, or I'm sorry, September 25th, 2022. Um, and so we only got to hear from Matt and he's not exactly the captain of fun all the time, but he certainly seemed to be upbeat and enthusiastic about the way that football team performed in the first start for an undrafted rookie. And I think there's some excitement about trying to carry that momentum going forward, even with the likelihood as it is now that Tyson Bajan will make his second start in LA against the Chargers in primetime. Did you say likelihood? What leads you to believe it is likelihood? Did you get a health update? Health update on Monday afternoon. Matty Bravo said it is, again, doubtful for Justin Fields to play uh, in week eight against the Chargers. He said that Tyson Bajan is obviously the starter until Justin regains that functional strength and grip in his throwing hand. And so there's the direction, right? That's where we're pointed to uh, with NBC taking over the stage and, and having their chance to to kind of shine the light on Tyson Bajan and everything that this Bears team is now becoming in the middle of a season that was uh, a lot more wayward a month ago than it is right now. Let's get into some of those questions and implications in our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, so the natural follow-up, Dan, is not something you could ask Matt Eberflus because he's never going to give you this uh, straight of an answer, but do you think Tyson Bajan starting against the Chargers gives the Bears the best chance to win? I'm ha- I'm pausing. I'm hesitating here because I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure I know. You know, it certainly didn't hurt on Sunday. Uh, what was most impressive to me was just how thoroughly in command of that football game 
the quarterback was, and by extension, the entire team was the entire day. You know, they played the entire game on their terms, which is hard to do with a reshuffled line and an undrafted rookie making his first NFL start at quarterback. And so there are things there that say, okay, let's see. Now, look, like the Bears will tell you that they don't have that decision to make, that uh, that Justin's hand strength and, and, and the health of his thumb are the primary driving factors of, of who they will start at quarterback in week eight. But when we get to week nine and week 10 and week 11 and beyond, you know, that that conversation might get a little louder. And I certainly cannot answer definitively in one way or another. And that's probably telling in its own right. It is telling scale of one to 10. How skeptical are you about the fact that Justin Fields thumb might be bad enough to keep him out of this game or is something else possibly contributing to a slower recovery? Is this conspiracy theory from the uh, Bears side of things or from the quarterback side of things? I, I think I'm just wondering, are you, are you, do you think that the Bears are slow playing Justin Fields' return to see what they have in Tyson Bajan or to make it more justifiable to keep him as the starter? Yeah, I mean, it, it's an understandable question without uh, any, any doubt because this is obviously not a football team at now two and five that's, that's, headed anywhere quickly and so you don't have to rush your starting quarterback back to you know um be a catalyst to your playoff push at the same time like one of the conversations that was had in the press box on sunday afternoon was the idea that looked like this is a coaching staff that has been under fire now for for the last month and a half and heavy fire at that and so if you're in their shoes and you're thinking what are some ways that we have to kind of save our job to put it bluntly well, one of them is to to show that, hey, <laughs> it wasn't all us, right? That there were other limiting factors to the success we were having on this side of the ball or that side of the ball or wherever it may be. And so maybe a bigger body of evidence opens the door a little bit, David, to the, the idea that, okay, um, this offense can protect the quarterback when the quarterback helps to protect himself. This offense can put together scoring drive after scoring drive after scoring drive and, and really put uh, – complimentary football on the table in a way that produces success it's like i get you can probably hear a little hesitance in my voice because i hear I, a lot of hesitance in your voice and here's why because i think it's really easy and not, like we come at this from different planes now like you're in the sports talk radio business now where, where like it, it is like the 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 impulse is like let's draw the grandest conclusion possible after every game and at least try to interpret it in a way that's bigger picture and i i like i i just am so resistant to trying to get too far ahead of myself um, and that's where I'm like putting on my own. I, I'm I'm riding the brakes, right? Like I'm I'm well, pumping. The, yeah. I got my left foot on the brakes and my right foot on the gas, and I can't decide whether to go fast or slow, um, because I don't want to make too much out of one start from Tyson Bajan. But it, but to your point, like this opens the door to a lot of questions that like are very intriguing. <laughs> right? It is and, difficult. It is difficult because I, I walk that line, hopefully, you know, uh, responsibly on a regular yeah, yeah. basis, and. Uh, on Monday morning, for example, you know, my my, my overriding uh, mess, it's not even message, it sounds too like scripted or, or orchestrated. I think the tone of the show on Monday morning was that, okay, this is great. Enjoy it. There was a lot that we saw that was easy to like in Tyson mm -hmm. Bajan, but it is one game. And I think that number one, let it play out before you you know, avoid forming conclusions. And number two, it's only one game. So yep. I think that there's that there's that underlying core principle to try to be patient, patient and fair. At the same time, I do think that it's difficult but necessary to acknowledge the other tidal wave of enthusiasm that this creates in Chicago because of what it is in terms of a backup quarterback succeeding and a backup quarterback who's a huge underdog story succeeding. So there are a lot of factors in play that make that patience hard to find. And so what you yeah. do is that I just think in my case, you're right. I, for years was very, you know, more, maybe more measured than I have been lately trying to be measured all the time, but it's difficult to ignore all of those factors when you're trying to say, all right, what do we have here? We don't have just one game because it feels bigger than that. But you have to keep reminding yourself that it is. So I think in a long roundabout way, we both sort of pointed to a conclusion in that 
we are not alone in wanting to see a second start from Tyson Bajan on the road against a, a, a Chargers opponent that has some some teeth on defense with Mack and Bosa and Derwin James and all the guys that they bring to the table. Um, and let's see, can he stack together performances the way he stacked together completions against the Raiders? And 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 like we've talked forever that the the entirety of quarterback success in the NFL hinges around consistency, and it's the ability to have regular basis success in ways that create victory, you know? And so that that's the next step, right? That's the next step. Tyson Bajan, to his credit, has passed every single test that the Bears have thrown at him since he became a Bear back in April. And one of the questions I asked on Monday, uh, which maybe you can answer here, is when you go back and you sort of review Sunday's performance, like what is the worst play you saw Tyson Bajan make? I think that there was a, a screen pass that wasn't executed late, if I recall, and it was it was at a third down, I believe, and they had to punt, and it was in the fourth quarter. So you had to wait to get to that point, and that's the only one that comes to mind because there weren't very many to think of. He went to the line every line of scrimmage, every snap, committed to making that play as perfect as possible, and that requires a laser focus that I think he showed that he has, and I think that young quarterbacks who are more phased by the moment than he appeared would have made a more obvious mistake earlier. I think that's what's encouraging about the whole process is that, you know, when I think about, okay, that was maybe a a, a clunky mechanical play or a bad, you know, a negative uh, mark on his grade, but there weren't many. He missed Darnell Mooney in the end zone. You know, then he went up to Darnell Mooney and he said, you know, my bad and all Mm -hmm. those things. I think, but it's a very short list. Yeah, right. And and like the the reason I ask it is because it's kind of telling. And you know me, I like a good golf analogy. And a lot of times your golf round and your golf score is defined by your worst holes more than it's defined by your best holes. And so like that, it applies to NFL quarterbacking. And how do you reduce those those result changing mistakes uh, in a way that allows you to just kind of be steady and efficient and go through a game like you did? on Sunday afternoon and walk out of there with, again, a dominant win. This wasn't a, a by the skin of your teeth victory. This was the game that the Bears controlled. They were up by two scores or more the entire second half. I mean, there, there, there's there's encouragement to the way this football team played with Tyson Bajant, with encouragement to the way they played for Tyson Bajant. You felt a looseness uh, to that football team that, that I, I think takes this conversation down a road that we would have never fathomed, you know, four weeks ago. And so now here we are. And again, like the, my, my flight will leave Saturday morning to LA. I'll be very eager to walk into SoFi stadium and see what this looks like on again, another, another big stage. Cause it's, it's, it's sometimes difficult to um, ride the emotional roller coaster in this league. And you can't even fathom, the emotions that Tyson Bajan has had to have felt these last nine days. And now he's got to carry it through a week of preparation uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and early Saturday uh, before he gets to play his next game. Well, Hollywood is the perfect backdrop for his second start. There's no there question about that. This play and this season kind of begs for a screenwriter. I think, I think that, you know, when you look at, when, when you look at some of those things you're talking about, uh, I think that it, it's a looseness, but it's even, I think, w- the way that's the way you describe it. I would almost describe it as, as an odd confidence. You know, it's, it's, it's like something you wouldn't expect when somebody like an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback takes over a team. It, it's, it's similar. And I, and I hesitate this comparison because I fought back against it last week and the bears aren't the 49ers, but Brock Purdy had a presence about him that made the 49ers believe that he could handle the job. And Tyson Bajan, has a presence about him that I think teammates identify uh, as something that makes them feel like they're going to be able to do their jobs well, or and I don't say better than with Justin Fields, but it it does it does register, and it's not something that we can ignore. I've been trying to repel myself away from compliments of Bajent that also seem like subtext on fields. And maybe that's inevitable over time, but it's been, it's been something I've been resistant to do because I think it creates conversation that then becomes very polarized and it, and it doesn't, and, and, it, and it's difficult. I, I, mean, I agree. You, you know, better than anyone, how, how hard it is to keep this from becoming polarizing. But what you're speaking to is Tyson Bajan getting out on a scramble 
uh, in the first quarter of his first NFL start and picking up a first down and then using his hand to ask the crowd in the north end of the Soldier Field for more noise. This was a guy who sat at the, the, the podium a week ago at Hallis Hall and was asked how he is not feeling overwhelmed by the gravity of his entire story. And he said, I've got nothing to lose. You know, and when you when you bring that out there, one of his quotes after the game Sunday afternoon was was, you know, like when when you appreciate the opportunity and you go out and have fun playing football, the results are what they were today. Something to that effect. You can find it in my my column in, in, in you know, exact wording there. But that resonated with me because it felt like a football team all day that wasn't playing as uptight and and pressure packed and fatigued and like just emotionally drained as they seem to be playing in September and early October. And that, that there's that that's something meaningful to that. And then I guess it's up to us to try to interpret why it's happening and, and what you do to retain it going forward. Well, I issued a disclaimer in, in the column I wrote in 670 the score that nothing about the evaluation of Tyson Bajan has anything to do with the long-term evaluation of Justin Fields. I think you have to compartmentalize those two things as difficult as it is. And I went on the same sort of uh, rant this morning, uh, Monday morning on, on the radio about that. And I know it's natural to want to, you know, connect one to the other. But if, if, you, if you do that, okay, so I think those are separate things. But like you say, it's sometimes there's some, there, there are areas where the things are going to intersect. And this is where I think is one of them. Justin Fields came into the league and has been the quarterback of the Bears. And ever since the day that he took over in 2021 in Cleveland, there have been enormous expectations, enormous. And then he met them and then succeeded them. And he built them up back with a six-game stretch last year where he made history. Those expectations only grew. Expectations are heavy. And I think that when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields, sometimes you see the, just the weight of those expectations. Now fast forward to Sunday or maybe even training camp, or whatever, OTAs. However, we're already going to start the Tyson Bajan story. He has none. There are no expectations. He's light as a feather. He has nothing to lose, his words, not mine. And sometimes when you do that and, and carry yourself in that way, you've already in your mind not necessarily failed, but you weren't drafted. You have, no, you have nothing to lose. If you, didn't, if you don't make the team, nobody expected you to. And it's so much easier to succeed once you've failed. Justin Fields really has never failed at football. And I think that's heavier and diff more difficult to operate and succeed that way, maybe even to lead. Not to say he can't do it, and I still think he's the number one quarterback when he comes back and healthy, but there is a difference. The biggest difference between the two quarterbacks right now is how expectations have affected or maybe influenced the arc of their careers. Former Bears director of player personnel, Josh Lucas, has been everywhere in the media this fall. And one of the things you've heard him say on multiple occasions is how the weight of expectation really brought Mitch Trubisky down. I think you and I both experienced it during the 2019 season where you just saw the struggle compound and everything got heavier. And then all of a sudden you just lost that freewheeling mindset and, and basically tension became uh, the operative emotion over sort of the, the confidence and the, the moxie that we're talking about. Justin, as a rookie, you know, you think about that Monday night game in Pittsburgh, which for a lot of people was like, this is, this is it, you know, this is the, Big, big stage, bright lights, uh, you know, game on the line moment. And you go down and you master that and you do that with such an energy. And then you fast forward two years where, where the, the losses are coming, you know, three times more frequently than the wins and the struggles offensively are, are pronounced. And, and all of a sudden it just gets heavy. And Josh Lucas has spoken. He was part of the staff that helped uh, draft Justin Field about seeing some of that, like that, that tension and that pressure compound on the quarterback uh, and you have to figure out a way to to relieve it. Maybe part of the way of relieving it is to sit out for a couple games. The team gets back on track. The team starts to, to feel itself a little bit and then they can guide you along with them. I mean, they're, 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 God, David, I went back through the rewatch on Monday morning of this game. My notebook is just filled with things. That, it would take us four episodes to, to talk about all the things I want to talk about because there's so much cool stuff folded within one performance. Again, we have to contextualize it. That opponent that came to Soldier Field on Sunday was ordinary at best and probably pretty putrid if you look at it through a, a sober lens. Uh, and so the Bears took advantage of that and they beat them down and they sent them home uh, with a lopsided loss. But man, like it was a, a total team effort. And I think there was part of that 
that was a total team effort because dudes were rallying around this cool underdog story from Division II Shepherd University and playing with the same kind of swagger and, you know, what the hell, go for it mentality that the quarterback was playing with himself. So there's a lot of other things to get to in terms of the, the Bajent uh, Fields comparison, if you want, or the Bajent uh, offense under Luke Getze, or the, the way that Luke Getze kind of, I think, coached maybe one of his best games of the season on Sunday with the young quarterback. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get to some other things because there are a lot of other things you said, as you point out, I think said it well, folded into yeah. the Bajan effect, if you will, starting with Deontay Foreman and the running game. They're running game 173 yards, the makeshift offensive line, which really might be your best offensive line moving forward. Let's start with Deontay Foreman. I know you're not surprised by what he was right. able to do because you, you've thought a lot about him. You wrote the great story on him. So I guess what was his reaction? And I guess how do you think he fits into the game plans moving forward? Well, yeah, as you know, I'm, I am enamored by Deontay Foreman's patience um, and, and just the way he handles himself with everything he's been through in his, his football life, his, his personal life, his family life, and the way he's ready for opportunity. You asked me a few weeks ago coming out of that Washington game when every single running back that put on a jersey left that game hurt, how worried we should be. And I said, not at all, you know, because they had depth at the position and depth with a proven producer. And my God, did this guy rise up and meet his opportunity on Sunday afternoon? He's hurtling guys. He's doing crazy celebrations in the end zone with teammates. He's scoring three touchdowns. He's got 120 yards from scrimmage. And and he just gave life to everything that they were trying to give life to. Now, look, his day started off pretty poorly. The Bears won the coin flip, decided to take the football and went three and out when Deontay Foreman dropped the check down on third down of the first series. And you were just kind of in that thought process of like, oh, no, you know, is this the kind of day it's going to be you've got a rookie quarterback starting and you can't even rely on the veteran back to catch a check down and pick up the first down from there it was just boom efficiency production I thought he ran with a really cool blend of of patience and purpose like you see it all throughout the video of like okay wait for the hole now hit it you know and hit it with authority and do it in a way that 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 you know moves the chains like look like they need to lean on him I don't care if Khalil Herbert's out for another three weeks or if he's out for another eight weeks. Deontay Foreman deserves the opportunity from this point forward to be leaned on in a way that gives this offense life because you saw what it meant on Sunday. You have to give the offensive line credit as well. I mean, Foreman did get the tough yards and he ran over people. And I think that he's a trusted veteran who nobody paying attention to his career should be surprised at his production on Sunday. But I, I talked about this Monday morning, and I think I asked Big Z and, and, and Molly, I talked about it as well. If your offensive line, when, as Matt Eberflus explained, and I'm curious what he said on Monday, Dan, but you have one of the reasons he cited was Tevin Jenkins being more comfortable at right guard. Cody Whitehair going back to left guard, do they have all the reps together? And then he cited Lucas Patrick as being one of the big reasons why everybody knew what was going on and who to block. Well, those three guys, if those are the first three reasons cited for having an offensive line that you trust and we're able to, you know, dominate the line of scrimmage in one of your two wins this season, 
with Darnell Wright and Larry Borum, then what happens when Nate Davis comes back? Because this is a guy you guaranteed $19 million to. Does he have a job? Is he competing for a job? Is he just a well-paid substitute? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I obviously think you have to just gauge it at the time that he does come back and figure out where your offensive momentum is at and and what it's rooted in. Um, You know, like part of me was was struck by – Matty Berflew saying that after the game on Sunday, because I, you know, look, like this, this has been a blurry season, and so we forget a lot of things that happened in August. But I could swear that their their initial depth chart that they put out in training camp called for Tevin Jenkins to be playing left guard and Cody Whitehair to be center. You know, and now if you're saying like Tevin's better at right guard and Cody's better at at left guard, and this is what we always wanted to get to, like where were those discussions back in March? Where were they in April and May and June and July? Like I, it, it just, it threw me for a loop because I'm like, wait a second. If this is like kind of now you're finding this perfect combination, it's October 23rd. It's a little late for that. And look like they've had a lot of things to adjust to, um, you know, personal issues and injuries and uh, back and forth uh, on who's playing where and when, and who's, who's available this week and who's in concussion protocol and whatever else. But like, man, like offensive line stability is a big freaking deal for a football team that's trying to develop and the inability to provide it has, has been problematic for this football team. Now maybe you have it. And so I guess to your question about what happens when Nate Davis comes back. I, I don't know because it's it's a nice problem to have, I suppose, but you've been searching for offensive line continuity. You maybe it's still elusive. You don't have Braxton Jones back. I don't know what his status will be. Larry Borum did have two holes. Possibly this penalties. week. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, one of them was uh kind of questionable, but you you have a situation emerging that you know maybe it's the accidental offensive line, the one you didn't anticipate using that that works best together. And you got a veteran that you paid a top dollar for that maybe not, maybe he's not going to be in the mix. It'd be curious to see how that's handled given all of the ways that Nate Davis had a very mercurial preseason and you don't know what's next for him. Bottom line is they protected the passer pretty well. Tyson Bajan sacked once and uh, they ran the ball with authority. So this is not a formula you want to change or alter going into San Diego or going into LA. No, yeah, exactly. I wish we were going to San Diego. I was yeah, no kidding, trip, me too. <laughs> we're going to LA is not a bad thing either. I'll, I'll have a great thing. time Sunday morning out on the beach before we go to the, to SoFi. But um, look, like the, the, this team is in a, an interesting spot here because, as we've talked about, this league is is markedly average across the board. There's a you know a select group of six to seven teams that are really good. There's a middle tier of of average that's everywhere, and the Bears are staring at a bunch of average teams in their upcoming schedule that gives them a chance to get rolling and and inject some relevance back into who they are and what they're doing. Um, this is a this is a, a time to you know wrap your arms around momentum, wrap your arms around confidence and squeeze it until every last ounce of it is, is, is out because this team needs it. Um, and, and like, again, like I say, like you go through that performance and then you compare it to two weeks ago in Washington and you go, okay, this is a couple times now in the month of October where they've looked like a really, really uh, improving football team. And that's what we wanted out of this season all along, isn't it? Yes, it is. And there's been no bigger improvement, I think, than on the, defense and their ability to stop the run a year ago mm-hmm. the bears were the second worst in the league at stopping the run i think after sunday they've elevated them that unit to fifth there are a lot of reasons statistical that contribute to that you know there are a lot of reasons when you have teams that abandon the run uh as the commanders did that it will help your statistics but but dan since matt eberflus took over calling signals this does seem like a more aggressive different defense there are strides that have been made up front, and you see the takeaways on Sunday, beginning with Jalen Johnson, but not stopping there. How do you explain what's happening with the Bears' defense? Because all of a sudden, it has gone to huge liability to primary asset. Well, look, like you mentioned, it, they're top five in rushing yards allowed per game, but they're also second in rushing yards allowed per attempt. So that takes away situational uh, abandonment of the run by opponents that are playing from behind like the Commanders and Raiders were. There's a cohesion that that is there right now, and it's undeniable. We talked uh, uh, you know, a week ago about the, the game that TJ Edwards had against the Vikings in a losing effort. Kyler Gordon's a guy who, like, studs and I talked about this after the game on Sunday. You don't necessarily see him flashing all over your TV screen – 
but he he makes a difference. And since he came back from injured reserve, like just having him in there provides a, a level of reliability in there that, that allows things. Tremaine Edmonds, another interception on Sunday. You you just you're starting to get that continuity and cohesion that's so important. And even without a front line that is uh, you know a, a game breaking defensive front, you're doing enough to allow your other guys to make plays to 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 make teams, you know, really work for their yards. And and that's a, a huge deal to go from 31st to 5th in one of the most important categories in the game. It's it, it's a major, major, major accomplishment. And, and hopefully it continues because it doesn't feel like a mirage right now. Jalen Johnson did, made the money sign celebration uh, after. Yeah, there you go. Colleen Kane wrote about it, David, and she asked me as she's writing her story. She said, "Is that called making it rain?" And I said, "I, you know, I haven't, you know, I, I negative connotations with that with the Pac-Man Jones saga. So I'm not going to try to answer that question because I can't, I can't do it with any sort of expertise." <laughs> sure, sure you can. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, but he, he got to the end zone, 39-yard pick six. He needed that. Then he got a garbage time pick, which I think is, is still, a, like I said, it's a, it's a line drive in the box score. So yeah. they count. He wants to get paid. He's been very open about that. He said he wants to go to the table. First of all, what was your reaction to him being as open and candid as he was? And secondly, how realistic is it that the Bears go to the table with just with Jalen Johnson, I would have been surprised if Jalen wasn't open and candid. Like that's his default setting. It's why from day one, uh, you know, remember his rookie season was the COVID year, and so we first got to know Jalen Johnson over Zoom press conferences. And I remember uh, saying to people at the time, like, "Man, we better not wear him out on these Zoom." press conferences because he's so good and like we want this guy to be good for us for years he still is that way and he just tells you how he feels um he feels he's one of the best cornerbacks in the game the bears agree with him to an extent now they've got to find a number you know they've got to find a number that works for both sides and that's where it gets a little bit tricky now i've said multiple times i don't think it's so tricky that the uh ticking clock to the trade deadline on Halloween is something that's going to be like, Oh God, we got to get something done or we got to panic and send him elsewhere. Cause we don't want to lose him for nothing. Uh, the Roquan Smith situation, comparing that to Jalen Johnson's apples to oranges. And so I don't put the two of those things together, but now you've got to figure it out, you know, and, and basically the bears challenged Jalen. They said, we want you to prove that you can be more durable this season. Show us. We want you to make more plays, more splash plays, more plays that change games. Show us. Well, he comes back from injury. He has two pretty good games, and this this most recent one includes two takeaways and one return for a touchdown. And so he says, "Okay, I showed you. Now, 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 show me, right? Like the old Rod Tidwell thing. Show me the money. It's going to be really interesting to see where these talks go. There is not uh, deadline pressure right now. There's just not. The contract doesn't expire until March. The Bears can play the rest of the season out. They can have those conversations when the season ends. They can have them all the way up until the free agent market opens. If they so desire, I, I don't see this even being a possibility. They could franchise tag uh, Jalen Johnson, which is, I think is a little too expensive for who he is. It would be north of $18 million. The transition tag would be somewhere around $16 million. Remember, they used that on Kyle Fuller to get the Packers to negotiate his new deal with the Bears for them. So there's a lot of options here, and, and Ryan Poles doesn't have to feel um, burdened by deadline pressure because it's not there right now. It's just a matter of, like, let's let this play out. Let's continue to have discussions, and let's see if we can build a bridge toward common ground because I think everybody would be uh, – benefit from and be very ecstatic about keeping this thing going. The Kyle Fuller comp is a good one. I think that they're similar in terms of what they meant to their respective defenses in Chicago. And certainly Kyle Fuller was a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback in his own right. And that's, you're right. They had a transition transition tag on him and the Packers basically negotiated that deal. I look at the rest of the secondary. Tyreek Stevenson had a really good day on Sunday. He was up against Devontae Adams probably more times than I expected him to yeah. be. And, and live to tell uh, and talk about it. So that was good. Kyler Gordon uh, is a quiet is a quiet cog back there that keeps things together. And his versatility is kind of an underrated aspect of that entire unit. I also have to mention this. The Bears released a video of him running onto the field. Did you see the, the, he, the flip he did? I did, did not. See? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I was worried about him pulling an oblique muscle. He did an absolute... Ozzie Smith style for fans of a certain age. He ran, he jumped up, did a somersault, landed on his feet. 
That's insane because the, the backflip that I saw on Sunday afternoon was punt return Trent Taylor in victory formation when they took their final kneel, final kneel down to, to, to kill the game out. He did a backflip behind Nathan Peterman. And I thought to myself in that moment, like if you had told me when the Bears beat the Texans a year ago that their next victory would be Nathan Peterman taking a knee and Trent Taylor doing a backflip behind him here at Soldier Field, like I would have I would have been like, whoa, how did we get there? That, it, was, so, it was one that they can put together in uh, – yeah, it was one of the most athletic things I've ever seen. And, and I know he's probably done it before, but it was a forward flip. He just went vertical and did a whole, I mean, it just, it was crazy. I was like, don't hurt yourself. Don't do that. I wouldn't want, I would have a con- contractual clause. It's not, not to do that stuff before games. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kerry Strug. Was that the Kerry Strug-esque there? Wow, now you're dating yourself. See, I was thinking more Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm dating myself. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I know. That's where my head goes. All right, so back to the Bears. Um, I, I do wonder about um, what what the deal is with Eddie Jackson. I know he didn't play again. I don't know if it matters as well as they're playing. Elijah Hicks is a name we don't mention a lot, and I think that says a lot about how, how quietly uh, consistent he has been. Jaquan Brisker had a lot of plays and he was a physical force in that secondary. I think he had – he was slow to get up a couple of times, Dan. He's, that's typically uh, par for the course for, for Jaquan Brisker. But this is a secondary that's playing at a very high level. Yeah, we were told on Monday that Jaquan Brisker was evaluated for a concussion and cleared. He did not have one uh, when he was down in the end zone late in that that football game. Look, I, again, like I can't say enough about the, the – like you measure a defense by how well you stop the run, how well you rush the pass. There's still a lot of room for growth there and how you play on third down. And the Bears, I think well, – I don't know what they were yesterday, but coming off the – Two for thirteen performance against the Vikings. You, you the the Raiders go two for nine. So you're you're making strides in key areas. And I had talked to Dave Borgonzi, the linebackers coach, last Thursday at Hallis Hall, and he said, "Look, like when you're able to set a tone by stopping the run, now you create." advantageous third down situations that make it easier to get off the field in those situations. The Bears are doing that right now. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, like you get stuck here because one in five was such a mess. Like the path that the Bears took to get to one in five was such a mess. And you just stop yourself and you're like, if they could have pulled out the Bucks game or the Broncos game or the Vikings, team. just one of those, just squeeze one of those. How much different of a whole outlook are we having right now if they're three and four with a chance to go to L.A. and get back to 500? It's just like they're they're so close. And I, and that, that's why I resist this. And we can talk about this at a later time if you want. But this whole urge of like, oh, the, the you know, the lose out chatter started again recently. And it drives me crazy because it's like the goal of this season is to be climbing the staircase. It's not to be falling back down it. Well, I think that noise has maybe quieted a little bit only because I think that there are some people, and I say this like I'm trying not to chuckle here. There are some people in Chicago that walked away on Sunday from Soldier Field <laughs> believing that the Bears would be better off long-term with Tyson Bajan instead of Caleb Williams. And there will be people who insist no, I mean, that's that. Crazy. That's crazy. Oh, no, 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 but, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think I heard from some people today on Monday morning that were like, they believe in Tyson Bajan that much. And that's where I think that the extreme reactions and the extreme success, you know, this is what is expected from a backup quarterback in the NFL. You don't see it a lot because I think the state of quarterback play may be at an all time low overall with 64 quarterbacks on depth charts. I don't know if you're going to, you know, this is not the golden age of quarterbacking, but I think that this is what's expected from a backup. Play well, maybe even win a game, uh, keep the crisis, mi- minimize the crisis for a two- to three-week period, and then take your seat back on the sidelines, be a good teammate, and communicate with the starter. But there are extreme reactions to what was a historic performance by Tyson Bajant because he won a game as an undrafted rookie free agent. So I get all that. But anyway... I do think that um, 
I do think that the points will take him. Right. And then just like everybody on this football team, coaches, players alike, just keep getting better. Just keep getting better. The path to getting better is getting better. Right. Like that, that's, that's where, where improvement leads you. And so I, I hope that uh, that continues to happen because look, it's been, it's been, it's been a good stretch here. You know, even, you even lump in the, the Broncos game up until the disastrous fourth quarter collapse and, and they've played some pretty good football this month in stretches that, that make you believe that it's not as bleak as it felt when we entered the month. All right. So we've jumped around a lot. We're, we're going to uh, not get into specific categories unless you want to with Tyson Bajan. Anything else you want to add on Bajan? Or anything else you heard at House Hall today before we get into our two-minute drill? Yeah, let me rip through just a couple quick notes from uh, from my notebook on Tyson Bajan. I, I thought it, you know, the Bears taking the ball to open that game, David. I thought that that was a mindset thing, right? Like, and sometimes you, you you scoff at that and you say, "Well, why in the heck would they do that?" But I think it was a mindset thing. I think it was challenging every single player on that football team to understand that, like, we're going to be aggressive. We're not going to be afraid because we're starting a guy that, uh, you know, was playing against the Colorado. Uh, school of mines or diggers back in in December, and they went after it. That was a big deal. The first touchdown drive of the game in the first quarter, there's a third and five completion to Tyler Scott that was just, it was a thing of beauty that a veteran quarterback would be applauded for. His pocket isn't pristine. His eyes are up. He goes through his progressions. He changes his arm slot and throws a strike. And you're like, cool, man. Like, that's that's a nice play. We talked about the tuck and run and the, the, the you know, bring the noise reaction that, that Bajan had. Uh, I thought even the, the touchdown pass to Deontay Foreman, uh, Tyson Bajan's first career touchdown pass is a, a really smart play because he, he acknowledges after the game you were there when he said, look, I probably had Mooney on the corner route. But in my head, the coaching point all week was get the ball out. He saw Deontay Foreman with space. He saw an opportunity to get a completion. He saw an opportunity for him to either break a tackle or make someone miss. And Deontay Foreman did both as he got into the end zone. And it's just smart, efficient football. I wrote down, he looks, the Bears only had three plays all day of 15 yards or more like, so like, let's keep that in context. But I wrote down that he was hunting efficiency, understanding ball security and really generating offensive momentum. And that was kind of the entire day of Tyson Beja. Yeah. I, I think those are, those are good observations. Did anybody explain why in the world Nathan Peterman went into the game at the end of the first half? I know it was to throw the hail Mary, but just how absurd of an idea that was, I know they wouldn't put it in those terms, but wasn't that the most absurd thing you've ever seen? It's, it only became more obscene when it ended in a sack fumble with the ball fluttering sideways out of bounds. And then you're like, okay, like, what were we thinking there? We did not get an explanation on that yet. That's probably one we need to seek more. Matt was asked about Nathan Peterman given, being given the luxury of taking that victory formation kneel down and just said it was an opportunity to get him a rep. I, I'm not too offended by that. There are some people that are like, let the rookie have his moment. I mean, the rookie had plenty of moments. Uh, on Sunday, and I don't think he's going to be mad that he didn't get the the final kneel down. Um, but certainly, uh, when you're looking at negatives from that game, that 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 botched hail mary attempt at the end of a two minute drill that was just an absolute absolute calamity in clock management. Uh, that was certainly part of the game where you go, boy, I I don't want to watch that again. Yeah, and you wonder what caused that. Why why didn't you? I think that to me it was one of the. You know, there weren't many there weren't many series where that made you cringe because it was a pretty efficient day. But that was one of the the mechanics of the game management. You thought, okay, maybe Matt Eflus is doing too much, or maybe he's distracted because he doesn't realize what's going on here, or you're just afraid your rookie quarterback is going to make a mistake. Either way. You don't go into halftime locker room with both timeouts. No, 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 not, not particularly when you had an opportunity. And Matt tried to explain the one on saying, look, there was we expected them to be able to get back up to the line of scrimmage, run a play within 13 seconds, and it took almost twice that long. Well, look, as the head coach, once you see that clock tick below 45 and your guys aren't even near the line of scrimmage to snap the ball, take the timeout. You know, you just bang it, run up to an official, say timeout. We got to get this cleaned up and get this going. You, you Worst case scenario, you're punting the ball back to the Raiders, you know, deep in their own territory with like 36 seconds left. I think your defense can can hold up there. And so that, that, that part of the game was, you know, if the Bears had lost that game, we would have spent probably an hour and a half on that entire sequence. What else? Yeah, that's that, that's most of it. I mean, we talked about Foreman. We talked about uh, – Jalen Johnson, National Tight Ends Day. We didn't see much of Cole Komet or Robert Tunyon in the passing game. That day. Bears, don't, <laughs> don't, Bears don't celebrate National <laughs> Tight Ends Day. They don't, they don't observe that. The not, Bears, not, not this year. 
Offensively, we talked about the success on third down. Offensively, they went 61.5% on third down, which is a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment with a rookie quarterback. And it's just a, you know, just there's just a lot to build on there. And I think, you know, again, they, they're going to play an opponent this week, David, that is not going to, to, to they're not terrible, but they're not going to scare you in a way where you can't build on this momentum and take this encouraging vibe uh, out, out west and do something with it. All right, let's wrap things up with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. All right, Dan, let's start with one thing I wanted to mention. I know this will drop on Tuesday morning, but as of Monday afternoon, in my column I mentioned a couple things about uh, the nicknames that Tyson Bajan, the various nicknames that Tyson Bajan uh, <laughs> suddenly has. And I wrote Secret Bajan 17, Bajan of Change, Bajan Orange, The Bajancy, The Good Shepherd. Pick your favorite one and put it on a T-shirt. Savor a rare, fun moment for the Bears. Just don't lose sight of the biggest takeaway amid the hyperbole the kid can play. From that, on X, formerly known as Twitter, Obvious Shirts, our friends at at Obvious underscore Shirts, it's a staple in Chicago. If you're a Chicago sports fan, you know all about Obvious Shirts. They have tweeted back at me, available beginning at 4 p.m. Monday afternoon, they have a T-shirt, Bajant 17. They have a T-shirt, TB 17. They have a T-shirt, The Kid Can Play 17. They have a T-shirt, 17, Secret Bajant Man. <laughs> if you want your Tyson Bajant merchandise, go to Obvious Shirts in Chicago at Obvious underscore shirts. They can help you out and hook you up. That is what you want to wear, especially now that we are expecting the kid to make his second start. Yeah, and you also nicknamed him, I think, H17. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, no, that one doesn't work. No, I didn't. Work. Okay. No, uh, see, you, can, you, can, you can mock me for being talk radio sellout, but I did not say H17. I've never mocked you. I've never mocked you at all. Um, those are good. I, I like a good Tyson time, you know, Tyson time, and then throw the 17 under there, and people can can down that as well. But look like these shirts. I'm going to get one. I got to get one of these. That hype train is out of the station, and it ain't slowing down anytime <laughs> soon until he throws four interceptions against the Saints in New Orleans in the Superdome in a week and a half. Oh, man. All right. So um, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to touch yeah, I, <laughs> that's me. So the other thing I wanted to touch on – I was trying to address this this morning on uh, Monday morning on, on the Mullen Haas show. How would you describe the post-game press conference <laughs> with the Bears media corps and Tyson Bajan when there was some real interesting intensity, let's say, uh, from the Bears media corps? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was laughing out loud about it as we were waiting for the elevator back up to the press box after the whole thing because it was so out of the ordinary. It was like everyone was in there, is where the press guy in the locker room, and everyone who was in there wanted to get a question in to the point where it was like, you know, David, you've been in the business long enough to know like the stuff that they show in Hollywood movies with the press just snapping pictures and screaming at all costs. It's never realistic, but it felt realistic in that room yesterday. You're like, what happened? How did I get into this thing where everyone's just shouting over each other? There was also, I don't, do you know who that one guy in there was? He asked about seven questions and he, and he, and uh, I was told he was undefeated until I talked over him at one point to get in one follow-up to Tyson Bajan. But, but that, I think that triggered it. There was, a, there was a dude that was like, I've never seen until like the last three weeks in the post-game press conference that was asking a ton of questions. And he was really hard to defeat in, a, in what we call a face-off in the business. And so it, it created a desperation uh, combat in, in, in the press conference. It kind of did. And I, and I tried to address this because people don't really care. A podcast might be better than a, than a sports talk radio show in morning drive in Chicago. But I tried to address this quickly on Monday morning. There's a certain code that I think has to be adhered to when you're talking about diving into a, a big story or a game or, or a, a beat. And when I was when I was a columnist at the Tribune for a long time, you know, I, I would obviously be a different different sports, different seasons, and you'd come in and you try to respect the fact that the people covering the team on a daily basis, you got to let them do their jobs. You got to let them ask those questions. You got to let them cover the nitty gritty. And if there's a tough question to be asked, I think probably. The, the people on the beat, it's, it's, it's behold, they, they should be the ones asking it because they should be the ones wanting it answered. So always try to observe that as much as I possibly can. There are certain times that I think that, 
you know, you go in and sometimes you're the only, like post game with some, with Matt Eberflus, sometimes I'll be there with four other people that would get started and I'll have a good conversation and ask whatever I want. There'll be other times like yesterday on Sunday where there was just a natural thing that popped into my head and said, so, you know, ask Matt Eberflus directly, given the fact it, if, if Justin Fields is healthy, um, uh, who's your starting quarterback? Just to get him to state it on the record. You know, you just want guys to say things on the record. And he said, Justin Fields is our starting quarterback. It was a good soundbite. It was a necessary question to answer. Yep. But you can't, you can't just ask a question <laughs> to have yourself heard. You can't just ask a question because you want to feel like you're part of the gang. You've got to show respect and professionalism to the other people who were there every single day. And I think that's what was maybe violated a little bit on Sunday. I think if somebody is, is you know, given that message and, and reminded <laughs> of that, it's no harm, no foul. But I think people need to be reminded of that. Too. Like literally we were walking out of that press conference and John Greenberg turned to me and he said, Tyson must think we're all crazy. And I was like, you're not wrong after that, because that was that was it was like a wild 11 minutes. It was like it was like everything had gotten off the rails, like Courtney Cronin at one point. She, I don't know. She might have been out shouting Grody. Yes, but it, it was, was Grody. It, but it was but it was like emphatic. It was like a screw you, MFR. You're not getting this question in. <laughs> And she wouldn't stop yelling until until it was, you know, the quarterback's eyes on her and the question was asked. And it was just like that was the environment in there. And it was so rare that it just, I don't know. It was weird. And I respect that. Courtney Cronin <laughs> does a terrific oh, I, job I, I, for you. Yeah. Mark Grody is a dear friend. And I think it was <laughs> no just doubt. funny to see them like, <laughs> It was weird. The whole thing was weird. It was weird and wild. It was weird. Anyway, that's fun on the beat. What else did we have from uh, from a Monday Alice? Anything else? Yeah, no, two last things. I, I referenced the idea that uh, Braxton Jones's window to return to the active roster could open on Wednesday. Uh, so keep an eye out for that on Wednesday when they return to practice. Uh, that would give him 21 days to be activated off of IR back to the 53-man roster. The other one I wanted to throw at you before we signed off here is Colleen and Kane and I every Tuesday do a true or false segment at ChicagoTribune.com. And one of the true or false questions this week was the Bears can make their way back to 500 before the next mini buy. Your thoughts. Wow. Wait a second. Wait a second. They're two and five. Yep. When's the next mini buy? It's three games from now, David. They'd have to win four in a row, basically. <laughs> Chargers, Saints, Panthers. It's it's uh two and four, three and four, and oh and six. Chargers, Saints, Panthers, mini buy. So you're telling me I'm what just if asking. Told, I'm not telling you anything. I'm just you, asking. All right. I, I I I'm I'm okay. This is a great question. <laughs> we'll probably address it and I'll give you credit Tuesday morning on the Mullen Haw show. This is a question that is difficult to answer, harder than it should be, but I'm gonna say false. I don't think they'll get there. It is true because it is mathematically possible. I think this team obviously needs to baby step it, and they haven't had a three-game winning streak since December of 2020. And so asking for a four-game winning streak is probably a bit much. But when you look at the the, the opponents, right, again, like I say, two and four, three and four, oh and six, it doesn't intimidate you. And if you can stay locked in on the moment and take each of those games as its own individual puzzle and complete each puzzle – you never know. We could hit mid-October with the, you know, the playoff picture suddenly's got a little uh, C in the in the hunt graphic. What we'll talk about on Friday morning when we drop the pod is that how in the world or can the Bears block Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa as well as they handled Max Crosby? Yes. That's a key Maybe. Sunday night. I'm not sure. And, and then Justin Herbert is a problem. I don't care. The, the Bears' best advantage Biggest advantage in, on Sunday night or gives them hope is that Brandon Staley is coaching the Chargers. I just think that <laughs> he was a great assistant coach. I don't know what happened to him. He's overthinking this thing. This head coaching business is just not for him. But, okay, I'll save it for Friday. Um, <laughs> I, I, I look forward. I'm going to think about this true and false thing all night, and um, that's an interesting dilemma. Okay. I love it that I give you something that's an all-night assignment. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the way my mind works. All right, so – I don't think there's anything else. We covered a lot of ground, a lot to talk about. It's fun again to talk about the Bears. The subject has changed, but the subject remains the quarterback position, which will keep us all interested and engaged. So thank you for listening. 